Welcome again to Change Your Mind About You, where we are on a journey together to awaken to our true identity. I'm your host, Kevin Mack, and today we're going to focus once again on thought, specifically the fundamental principles that govern systems of thought. Essentially, there are only two systems of thought. The first is governed by form. The second is governed by content. What is the difference between the two in this context? There's a clear example in the Old Testament that will point us in the right direction. The story is found in 1 Samuel 16. To set the stage for the story, the Lord had become displeased with Saul, the first king he appointed over Israel. So he told the prophet Samuel to go to the home of Jesse of Bethlehem to select one of his sons the Lord had chosen to succeed Saul as king. In order to avoid Saul's anger, Samuel invited Jesse and his sons to a sacrifice. At that time, at the sacrifice, the Lord would choose the next king and inform Samuel of his choice. When Jesse and his sons arrived at the sacrifice, Samuel caught a glimpse of one of the sons named Eliab. When he saw him, he thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. That's in 1 Samuel 16, verse 6. Why did he think that? Samuel was also involved in the choice of Israel's current king, Saul. We read in the scripture that Saul, when he was chosen as king, was as handsome a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel, and he was a head taller than anyone else. Uh, That's 1 Samuel 9 and verse 2. Undoubtedly, Samuel made the same assumption that the next king that the Lord would choose would be similar in appearance to Saul. However, upon interpreting Samuel's thought, the Lord responds to Samuel. He said to him in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at, People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The outward appearance, spoken of here in verse 7, corresponds to form. The heart, also spoken of, that the Lord looks at, corresponds to content. The lesson here is clear. Humanity guided by our own thoughts cannot grasp content. We have learned through past experience to react to form. That's exactly what Samuel does in this circumstance. Eliab had the outward appearance of one who was suitable for kingship based on Samuel's past experience. But his past experience did not reflect present reality. Present reality 
is an internal phenomenon that is of the heart, known only to the mind of God. Thus Samuel was dependent on the mind of God to make the proper choice from among Jesse's sons. So rather than make his own judgment, he now listens for the Lord's instruction as each of Jesse's sons passed before him. So Jesse had brought seven sons to the sacrifice. As each of the seven passed before Samuel, the Lord responded to Samuel. The Lord has not chosen this one either. Uh, that's in verse 8 of First Samuel 16. Finally, Samuel asked Jesse, as we continue in the story, Are these all your sons? Jesse answers, There is still the youngest. He is tending the sheep. Samuel says to Jesse then, in verse 11, Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. When David, Jesse's youngest son, arrived, Samuel looked at him and thought he was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Rise and anoint him. This is the one. So, verse 13, Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Again, when David first arrived, Samuel was looking at his form. He was looking at his outward appearance. He had a fine appearance and handsome features, he was saying. Well, then the Lord regains his attention by instructing him to anoint David, which he does. When we speak of form versus content, as we are here, the central issue is really a matter of judgment. In the previous example from the Old Testament, Samuel consulted the Lord for his judgment in the selection of Israel's next king. For he had come to recognize that his own judgment was lacking. And it was lacking because Samuel was unable to perceive inner reality, in particular, the inner reality of each of Jesse's sons. His inability to perceive matters of the heart were primarily due to his mind being distracted by outward appearances. Such distraction is a common human condition. When we look at the history of Israel, recorded in the Old Testament, what it's really describing is a microcosm of all humanity living in a world of form. Like other nations of the world, ancient Israel had developed forms of religious worship. But there is a consequence of focusing exclusively on form. The prophet Isaiah recorded what the Lord said about Israel's form of worship during his own time. We're going to read from Isaiah 29, verses 13 through 14. Isaiah wrote, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far, are far from me. 
Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. Therefore, once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish, and the intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. So the Lord here, in speaking with Isaiah, that's actually what has happened here. The Lord is speaking to Isaiah, who wrote these words down. The Lord is not concerned about form. The words that came out of their mouths or the rituals that they followed. He was concerned with the inner world of the worshiper, signified by the heart. The Lord is concerned with content not form. When the heart of the worshiper is led by content, the Lord works through them, bringing about wonder upon wonder. His words here indicate that it will take many miracles to finally demonstrate to human beings addicted to form that content needs to be the priority. Jesus, of course, was a man who performed wonder upon wonder. Yet there is still much resistance to his teaching. Late in his ministry, he was still chastising the religious leaders of his day for their addiction to form. He solemnly warned them, and we're going to be reading from Matthew 23, verses 23 through 28. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice, mercy, faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Verse 25, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee! First clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to be people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. The religious leaders of Jesus' time were obviously more focused on form than content. They emphasized outward appearance because they were concerned primarily about public opinion, form, not righteousness, content. 
they were concerned with looking good rather than being good. The first issue Jesus brings up is that of tithing, setting aside a tenth of what they have gained as an offering to the Lord. They were very diligent about this practice when it came to this outward form of worship. Yet they neglected the weightier matters of content, justice, mercy, faithfulness. So Jesus pointed that out to them vividly. He said their practice made as much sense as straining out a tiny insect and then swallowing a large animal. Emphasizing form and neglecting content makes no sense whatsoever. That's the point Jesus is making here. The second point Jesus makes has to do with priorities. The religious leaders of his time partook of ceremonial washings of not only their hands, but also utensils such as cups and dishes. A reference there is Mark 7 and verse 4. The outward rituals symbolized cleansing. But Jesus tells them that the ritual cleansing is of no value without the content symbolized by the cleansing of the inside of the cup and dish. Keeping the symbolic ritual of form of cleansing only matters when the inner content of greed and self-indulgence has been removed. Thirdly, Jesus pointed out the deception associated with appearances. Outwardly, the religious leaders, they did all things right. To the outside observer, they looked righteous. They were experts at visible forms of worship. However, these outer forms were merely a cover for hiding inner wickedness. As a whole, Jesus referred to their behavior as blindness. Were their eyes closed to the many wonders Jesus worked? Apparently, because they could not see the obvious, they simply were unable to discern matters of the heart. In the same way, when we try using our own perception of outward form to govern our lives, the results are disastrous and extend beyond just ourselves. Again, the religious leaders were the teachers of the people. Their example also led others to the era of focusing on form rather than content. Yet there is an additional danger of focusing on form as opposed to content. Jesus referred to this in each of the above three corrections he gave to the religious leaders. That is the issue of hypocrisy, which is the effect caused by blindness to content. Jesus taught his audience during the Sermon on the Mount not to judge. After that, he then points out how hypocritical it actually is by providing an example. He writes in Matthew 7, verses 3 through 5, 
or he says there, as recorded by Matthew in Matthew 7, 3 through 5. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The outward distractions associated with form are so glaring It is easy for us to fall into the trap of equating form with content. Jesus is instructing us how to avoid that trap. There are two necessary steps. He says in verse 5, First take the plank out of your own eye. He is speaking, of course, in metaphor. A plank is a large piece of wood much larger than the human eye. Hence, if it is in your eye, and your eye is what gives you sight, the plank represents blindness to reality. How do we remove blindness to reality? Well, we do what Samuel did in the selection of King David. Ask the Lord to remove our blindness. Of course, this requires that we must first admit that we're blind and cannot see matters of the heart, that we cannot see content. The second step is, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. When Samuel allowed himself to receive insight from the Lord, he made the proper choice. He was then seeing Jesse's sons through the Lord's eyes. That is what Jesus meant by seeing clearly. Only then, having received a clear vision of our brother, can we then share that clear vision with him. I once saw a great visual on Facebook that applies to this issue of equating form with content. The visual contained two photos. In the first one, were three different colored eggs. The first one had a white shell, the second a light tan shell, and the third a dark tan shell. The different color eggshells represent differences in outward appearance, that is, differences in form. In the second photo, all the eggs had been separated from their shells, placed in a frying pan, and were fried sunny side up. The result? The fried eggs had all merged together to form a homogeneous whole. Does this visual apply to human beings? Well, we've all heard the story, or the expression rather, do not judge a book by its cover. In other words, by how it looks on the outside, by its outer form. It's the same with human beings. Judging according to form always leads to error. Why? Because content is of far greater value than form. Eggshells, the form, 
are either thrown away or are fit to rot in the compost pile upon being broken open. However, their contents, the inner whites and yolks of each of the eggs, are tasty and good for nourishment. They are of far greater value than the shells. In the same way, the inner content of human beings is of extraordinary value, far greater than the outward appearance. In fact, bring together the inner world of all human beings and put a fire under them like we did the eggs and an amazing transformation takes place. The work of Jesus as Christ was devoted to this amazing transformation. As he was approaching the end of his ministry on earth, he prayed wholeheartedly to the Father on behalf of those that would follow him by teaching what he taught. It says in John 17, verses 18 and 20 through 23, Jesus is praying to the Father, As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. What Christ is really saying in this prayer is, we share the outward ministry of Christ in the world primarily because we share his inward identity. The outward form of his ministry is merely a manifestation of his inner content, that is, his true identity. In truth, then, content is the driver of form. In the ultimate form is complete unity, oneness, and this oneness is expressed from within us. Paul wrote to a group of followers at Philippi. It says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, Paul wrote, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the Spirit, and of one mind. He states it a little differently to his followers in Galatia. It's written here in Galatians 3, verse 28. Paul wrote, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. 
This oneness is a oneness of spirit whose byproduct is peace. Ephesians 4, verses 3 and 4. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit. What has been described here by Paul is worship motivated by inner content. These are the kind of worshipers the Lord seeks. When we focus on forms of worship, we miss the point entirely. Jesus points this out to the, Samar to the Samaritan woman at the well. In John 4, verses 21, 23, and 24, he says to her, Woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Those are places, obviously, part of the world of form. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers, worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. Worship of the Father is driven by content, not form. Worship implies honoring and valuing a relationship from the heart. And that, my friends, is what we call love. The scripture tells us, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, in God in them. That's 1 John 4, verse 16. Now we'll go to verse 21 of the same chapter. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Love is an inner matter of content that is expressed outwardly in a variety of forms. Remember, content must always be the driver of form. When form becomes the focus of our attention, as it historically has, for we live in a world governed by form, we make trouble for ourselves. Well, that's all I have for you today. Thank you once again for joining me on Change Your Mind About You. I am your host, Kevin Mack, reminding you that all forms of healing work from the inside out because true healing is a matter of content, not form. Until next time, take care and be well, my friends.